Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey, Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, it's been an interesting week, a mostly good week for the Kraken though, which I'll take as we're 55-something games into the season here. Uh, things uh, a lot better this week as the Kraken went on their little East Coast road trip and then came back home. They played well in a matinee game, RJ. I can't believe it. I, I still can't either. I I would probably believe it even less if I was in the building like you were, right? And like it starts off and there's sun shining through the window and then the Kraken play well. Like I just, I don't think those two things have ever happened at the same time on the same day before. Well, they did close up the window before the game started. They had it open for warmups. They closed it during the game. So that must explain it. I had no sense of what time it was. I, I just couldn't figure it out. I assumed it was late at night and then I walked outside and there's sunshine. Do you think Hackstall asked them to do that? Was that a was that a front office coaching staff decision to close the window? You think? No, although it <laughs> coincided. Look, because they, they have closed it in the past. I, I, I know, heard I there's know. been complaints and all that, but yeah. So, but I mean, hey, they still didn't win the game, so there's that. Well, that's true. Well, you got to leave room for improvement, right? Like I, that that's still a thing. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about kind of the week that was, and then get into some stuff for the rest of the season, such as what's the most likely scenario for the Kraken come the end of the season, and what about all the other teams that they are in this wild card race for uh, with, because there's. There's a lot of them, and uh, we'll talk about which ones scare us, maybe a little bit more than the others. We'll talk about the defensive issues the Kraken have, and then maybe some questions going into the um, trade deadline that we haven't really talked about yet. But of course, going to start off thanking our wonderful sponsor, Queen Anne Beer Hall, for sponsoring this podcast like they do each and every week, RJ. Oh, it's it's good stuff there. I've been seeing lots of stuff still like trickling out people who had like a fun time at the Super Bowl watch party there. I keep seeing that kind of stuff. And then just the fact that the Kraken are back in town, right? A lot of people going over after the matinee game yesterday over to the beer hall, having a good time, all that good stuff. So, yeah, lots of lots of good stuff with the beer hall, as always. And then uh, want to real quick um, plug the prospect chat over at Patreon that I'll be doing tonight at 7 p.m. So if you're if you're an early listener to the podcast, you're probably hearing this before it happens. And if you're listening to it a day from now, uh, the time of recording, you can still go on to Patreon if you're a Terror of the Deep Tier member, and you can click the same link that I post for the live um, prospect chat, and that will just take you to a video-on-demand version of that same chat, and you can watch it after the fact. It's go over the video, talk with everybody, take all the questions about the Kraken prospects, all the normal stuff that we do over there it's always a lot of fun and i'm really looking forward to seeing everybody tonight at seven should be good now dylan give the people just a little preview just a few words like five words or less what are you gonna be talking about caden price ryan winterton there you go four words short and sweet couple couple prospects there i guess i could have said price best kraken defensive prospect question mark there you go that's that's how you maybe that's going. good maybe that's good that's probably a little bit better so yeah that, that's uh that's what we're going to be doing tonight so it should be a lot of fun i'm really looking forward to it had a lot of fun putting together the video for it um all right so kraken rj no news and notes, which is usually good because usually the news and notes are like injuries, and this means the team's not that injured, which is which is a good thing for for uh, for especially how far into the season it is. Like it's kind of remarkable, actually. 
Right. I mean, yesterday, last morning, right? Morning, yes, yeah. uh, before the game, uh, Hackstall was saying that they're as healthy as they've been at any point really this season since pretty much the start of training camp. Um, so that's a good sign. I mean, they've got everybody healthy, nobody injured, just knocking on wood a few times here. Um, but, you know, that's where you want to be going into a stretch like this. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's it is literally the 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 like most you could ask for, right? Like like you can't ask for anything more than that uh, at this point in the season. Um, the road trip that they had, RJ. I mean, this was a really solid road trip for them. I, I feel like you know you have you have things like Gru's return, right, which went really really well uh, in that game against the Islanders. You had Maddie, right? We talked last week on the podcast a ton about him, how great he's been defensively. Call him, you know, in the in the title on the YouTube version, RJ. I called him a defensive god. I, I'm willing to add another thing to that. East Coast God, right? He gets he gets it on the East Coast, especially if he gets into Boston. Dude just kicks it up a notch having his family in the building. It feels like every year this has happened as well. Right. I mean, it, it really seems to motivate him having his family there. And it just it feels like he's kind of figured it out. I, I mean, I think our episode last week was kind of timed pretty well because I also last game I got the chance to talk to people, talk to media people who made that road trip because I hadn't seen them in a while. And they said that Maddie, a couple people said that Maddie just looked different for that Boston game. And also in New York, just on that trip, it looked like he'd kind of figured things out. So hopefully that continues for him. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that is definitely good stuff. I mean, after that Boston game, I was like, I bet at, just after watching that game, the Bruins probably would have taken a deal of Maddie and Joey for Swayman and Pasta. I mean, hey, for that game, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, it would have helped him in that game. That is for sure. Um, so that was that was cool. Also for Joey Decord, right? Like kind of homecoming for him as well. has a, has a fantastic game. That was that was great to see. Uh, but I do want to circle it back around to, to Philip Grubauer, RJ, because it was our first time seeing him in a long time. And he looked sharp. Like, that is the sharpest I've seen Philip Grubauer look in a long... Like, basically since the start of the season. I mean, he was just so dialed in in his game. Yeah, and that was great to see because that was one of the biggest question marks, of course, for the Kraken coming out of the All-Star break with Joey Decord having started, I think, 23 of 25 games <laughs> to that point. Like, can Philip Grubauer take back some of this workload and look good? Because you know what? He's going to need to with the schedule the way it is coming up. And, I mean, he looked fantastic. He looked really sharp. Um, I mean, he just was solid from from puck drop, really. And I was kind of concerned there would be some early rust there. I know it, the game was actually during our watch party. Yeah. And, you know, there, there was a little bit of nerves going into it, knowing it would be Grubauer's first start back. But he absolutely delivered, allowed only one goal, made some big saves and, and came up huge in the shootout, too. Uh, mm -hmm. With all the Kraken's overtime and shootout woes, I mean, he's been pretty consistently good in the shootout and in overtime. Um, so hopefully he'll get another start soon. I mean, we've kind of just eyed up potential dates on this homestand, right? Um, mm -hmm. We probably think it'll be Joey against Vancouver and then Gru maybe versus Minnesota, but I could, I could see that reversed um, just given how important the Minnesota game is. And we'll get into that race and everything for the wild card spot, but you got to think he's going to get at least one more on this homestand. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of, a lot of home games still too. Um, but yeah, I, I think he gets one of the next two. Yeah. We were talking the way hackstall has been running things this year. If there's more than one day off in between games, it seems like 
you know, his number one goalie is the guy coming out of that extra break. He's been pretty consistent with that. Um, the only thing that could change that up is, yes, if they feel like the Minnesota game is more important because it's it's more of like a four-point swing game for them than the Vancouver one, um, and maybe you want Joey for that. Or also, it, you know, we talked about this a, a little bit on the post game. Felt like that was Joey's roughest performance in a while uh, against the Red Wings. And if the coaching staff maybe feels that he needs a little more of an extended break, maybe just because all those games are catching up to him, you could see Philip Grubauer take the the Vancouver game as well because of that. But I would I would bet money that we see both goaltenders for you know those next two games. I, I really would be surprised if it was just Joey through both of them. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. He Grubauer is going to get into another game soon, and I mean, hopefully, he can just continue that performance because they're they're going to need it. Like looking at this schedule, even especially past the trade deadline, there's a lot of games. March is going to be crazy. They mm-hmm. have so many games packed into March. You're going to need both goalies for that. Yeah. Here's the other thing. Just as I look ahead to, to next week too, Boston uh, next Monday, right? Do you think they give that game to Joey just because it's Boston again? I would. Yeah. I mean, he played so well against them the other day. Why not? Yeah. Then that would maybe make me think that they would go Joey Vancouver and then Joey gets several days off before Boston. Mm hmm probably makes sense that would make sense yeah Yeah, four days in between yeah so uh but of course we will wait and see what dave haxtall uh tries to do but yes it was just good to see philip grubauer back looking looking good uh playing extremely well i mean his rebound control in that game rj was insane pucks were just not left available for the islanders to get to and then yes you talked about the shootout performance that was that was really big for the kraken as well um just overall i mean yeah it was just it was a it was a fairly solid week right you picked up a couple wins you get an overtime loss I mean this is what the Kraken need to really be doing the rest of the way right I mean if you can just win two out of three that should be good enough especially get the overtime loss right I mean so Mm -hmm. that's you know five out of six possible points you know that's a pretty good showing especially with the tail end of a tough road trip Um, just have to make that translate at home and I know there was some disappointment about losing that point against Detroit. And, you know, we, we, we'll kind of get into that a bit later too about, you know, does that concern us? But, you know, you're, if you're picking up points every game, you know, you're, you're doing something right. Yeah. I mean, we could just go ahead and get into that now, right? Like we'll, we'll push off the defensive issues maybe from this week. We'll talk about that stuff later. Um, but, you know, just, just where the Kraken are at right now, RJ, when you look at playoff odds, when you look at the standings for the NHL, when you look at all of these things, I mean, they are in, is this the most crowded wild card race you can remember? Like it's been, when was the last time there was a wild card race where it was this many teams really all that, that involved. It feels like it's been a hot minute since I remember, you know, what five, six teams all fighting for essentially one spot. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. I can't remember anything quite like this in, in recent memory anyway. Um, but exactly you have, I mean, LA is kind of starting to pull away from it into that mm-hmm. first wild card spot. I think you have Arizona kind of starting to drop out of it, but really you just have these five teams in the middle and that's St. Louis, Nashville, Minnesota, Seattle, and Calgary in current standings order uh, that are all competing for one spot, five teams for one spot. I mean, that's, that's going to lead to a pretty fun race throughout the rest of the season. Yes. Now there's a couple things that um, I think, probably hurt the, the Kraken in this. There's, there's some positives and negatives, right? I could, I, I'll, I'll start with a positive. Uh, positive, 
second best goal differential of any of these teams that we talked about behind only Calgary. Uh, Calgary is is behind the Kraken or tied with the Kraken in the standings, but Calgary has played one more game than the Kraken. So that it's is almost in reverse order of goal differential. The current it standings. Is. It's it's pretty crazy. So like there there is a positive for the Kraken is is the fact that look they uh they have a good positive goal differential. I will that I'm gonna I'm gonna compliment sandwich this. Okay, the thing that scares okay. me for the Kraken is that they are not gonna have like any tiebreaker. Like they no. they, they are gonna get crushed on tiebreakers no matter what happens. Um, so that's. That's not good. Uh, but and by the way, everyone, the tiebreaker, yeah. sorry, the first tiebreaker if teams are tied in points at the end of the season is regulation wins. So that given that the Kraken have had a lot of games go to overtime, uh, the Kraken have the fewest regulation wins right now by like two or three on all these teams. So they're probably not going to have that. And if that is tied, then it goes to regulation and overtime wins. Uh, so combined and the Kraken also are, are even further behind. In yeah, that, stat. that would be that would be even worse for the Kraken if it went to that. Um, um, but yes, and and regulation wins, as we've seen over the years, RJ, you can make up points a lot easier than you can make up regulation wins. Like regulation yep. wins this far into the season, it's hard to make up, you know, anything over maybe two. Uh, it can be a really difficult thing. Uh, and then for the for the back end, the the compliment, uh, the last compliment for the compliment sandwich. I mean, they're goaltending and and. I will say defense, but I will put it in quotes. It's mostly the goaltending has been fantastic because their goals against number compared to all of these other teams that we're talking about, RJ. I mean, it's it's in almost all of the cases, 20 fewer goals allowed over the course of the season. Now, obviously, the Kraken have struggled to score a lot more than some of these other teams, but still down the stretch in the long run i take teams that have solid goaltending especially if they're going to have two solid goaltenders the rest of the way it just it helps so much rj it puts you in such a better spot right hot goaltending is is a superpower in hockey it's the most important position uh you know in a game for a reason and um you know the kraken at least have that going for them where some of these other teams you know it's a little iffy i look right above them with the minnesota <laughs> wild you know having allowed um what, you know, hundred, seven goals yeah last night yeah yeah a lot yeah so that's that's kind of where i'm i'm looking at things how do you look at this overall situation right now rj right so i mean in in general right my main takeaway is they're having a mid-off this is this is what yeah. is going on for the final wild card spot all of these teams have pretty substantial flaws. Um, all of them have like you know, one or two things going well for them uh, that are keeping them afloat, keeping them in this race. And it really feels like it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to come down to the last week um, of the season. And, you know, the order that they're in in the standings, because for a while I was looking at this and I figured, okay, St. Louis you know, they're, they're two points ahead of the rest of the pack. That's probably the team that you're you're most concerned about, that you're trying to chase. Certainly when scoreboard watching over the last week, St. Louis has been the team that I've been looking at a lot. Mm -hmm. But then I decided to take a look at some of the playoff odds and not just look at the Kraken, but look at some of the other teams in this pack. And, you know, if you look at, you know, the athletic money puck, St. Louis actually has some of the worst playoff odds of these five teams and i think big reason for that is the remaining strength of schedule 
because that is going to come into play as we get further into the season and as these teams get some of these games that they have against, you know, maybe the Chicago's of the world, the San Jose's of the world, Anaheim, um, these teams at the bottom of the standings. And I, I thought it was really interesting diving into the strength of schedule for these five teams because all of them have like, let's see, three, six, nine, like all of them have bottom 12 um, strength of schedule, basically the 12 easiest schedules remaining in the league. All five of these teams are there. So they have easy opponents, right? Nobody yeah. has a difficult schedule of this group. Um, now the Kraken have uh, the, let's see, six, seven. I'm like counting backwards here. The Kraken mm -hmm. have the ninth easiest remaining schedule in the NHL this year. By the way, this all comes from uh, tankathon.com. They have a really good uh, remaining strength of schedule tool. So if you just Google NHL remaining strength of schedule, that'll come up first. Um, so the Kraken have a pretty easy remaining strength of schedule, like ninth easiest in the league. But actually, they, uh, they're they kind of middle of the pack here as far as uh, these teams, you know, remaining strength of schedule. Minnesota, that's the team that I'm looking at because they actually have the easiest remaining schedule in the NHL by opponent win percentage. And they've got some games. They have one game against Chicago left. They have three games left against San Jose. Oh, no. so I know three against San Jose, two against Anaheim. Uh, and then, you know, two against Arizona, one against Ottawa. And then actually it's including this on the list, two against the Kraken as far as the easiest remaining. Oh, uh, but, but these teams do have two games left against each other. And, mm -hmm. and one of those is the second uh, game for the Kraken right now. So, uh, those are going to be big games. Minnesota actually, in a lot of these models, has the highest playoff odds of these five teams, and they might actually be the team to look at. That is that is really interesting because just thinking about it and kind of how they've been all year, there was a long time where Minnesota was really trailing, right? They were down in seventh in the wild card race. Like they felt like the team that was kind of out of it. They were dealing with injuries and you know inconsistencies, all that kind of stuff. Goaltending still a concern for them. Um, but yeah, if, if their schedule is, is that light, I mean, that's a very light schedule down, down the stretch. I mean that you're going to be able to, to pick up some points there in a big way. So yeah, I, I understand why so many of the models would, would have them up there. That is, that is concerning, especially because they were the team that was most conceivable to catch in the regulation wins stat as well, mm -hmm. right? They are the team that the Kraken are only two games behind and, you know, I don't know how many games Chicago, San Jose, Anaheim, Ottawa can really push to overtime. It's probably not fantastic for them. And oh, yeah, by the way, they just scored 10 goals yesterday. Yeah, they, they've got that going for them. They had two players with hat tricks in that game. And also, I mean, they're heating up in general. They've won eight of their they last have. 11 games. Yeah. And and their last loss, too. They won five of their last six. And that one loss was in overtime. So they, they are heating up. Uh, and I think it's less and less likely that they sell going into the deadline now, given how well they're doing. Um, and even though they are just a couple points back of St. Louis, that's the team for me that just scares me most uh, going to this wild card race. Yeah. I mean, they, they're certainly got it right now. Um, you look at the last 10 games for, for really all of these teams, right? St. Louis six and four. Uh, they've kind of been the team all along that, that we've been chasing, uh, Nashville three, six and one. So they've really kind of hit a wall there. Minnesota seven, two and one. Like you said, they're heating up Kraken four, four and two Calgary five and five. And then 
Yeah, the Coyotes really took themselves out of it, going 0-9-1 in their last 10 here. That's Oof. Less, less than ideal for everybody outside of the front office in, the, in Arizona there, I would say. Yeah, pr- probably. Uh, and, I mean, if you look at just, you know, strength of schedule remaining, too, Nashville's got the fourth easiest. So that's another team that, you know, they've got two games against San Jose, one Chicago, one Anaheim. You know, th- they just don't have a lot of tough games left. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have a ton of super easy games. Um, but Nashville's one to potentially worry about. And then the the only two teams there that have the harder schedule than Seattle are St. Louis and Calgary. And they're both pretty close. I mean, the Blues basically are tied. Um in strength of schedule with the Kraken. So um, it's just interesting that all five of these teams have such an easy schedule remaining. Yeah, it's it's odd that you would have so many teams involved in such a close race, and yet you you don't feel like you can write one off because of that. Like, normally you, you feel like you'd be able to, but yeah, the fact that you kind of can't is really interesting. And it's interesting for a lot of reasons, just because, like I said, this doesn't happen that often. Um, so there's there's the kind of novelty aspect of it. But it's also going to be interesting, RJ, just from a perspective of, you know, every year you go into sports and there can only be one winner, right? How many times have we heard that following any sport, right? At the end of the year, there's only going to be one winner. Here you have essentially five markets and there's only going to be one of them that gets to go to the playoffs. So it's going to be one of these like really interesting races, not just for the teams, but also for all the fan bases involved because now is the time to be like highly engaged with the Kraken because each and every game matters and a lot of games around the league each and every night, even when the Kraken aren't playing matter, right? Like scoreboard watching becomes the name of the game here just as much as following and rooting for the Seattle Kraken. And so it's, it's going to be kind of fascinating, but I do, you know, I, I know the Kraken can play really well, RJ. There was the two aspects of the, the compliment sandwich. I stand by those. Goal differential is, you know, it can be an indicator. The goaltending can be an indicator. But like I said, there's only going to be one of these teams, right? Like just on the surface in that regard, one of five, the Kraken have a 20% chance of making the playoffs. What do you think the most likely scenario is here, right? Like, is it just, do you just play those odds straight up and you just say like, look, they, they have as good a shot as really any of them, maybe slightly worse because of strength of schedule, maybe slightly better because of the goaltending, but realistically, it is just a one in five chance. Do you, do you kind of think that way? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I view it. I mean, I think Calgary probably falls out of this race at Agreed. some point. They have the toughest remaining schedule. And also the big factor too is the trade deadline. We've talked so much about the Kraken and the difficult decisions that they have to make going into the trade deadline. When you're in a spot like this, do you, do you sell? Do you buy? You know, what do you do? You kind of have to pick a direction. And every one of these other teams is also facing those same questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure some of them will, will sell something. You know, we've, we've heard rumors about Nashville, maybe even looking at selling UC Soros for about Minnesota, maybe moving a Mark Andre flurry or other guys. Um, all of these teams face similar decisions to the ones the Kraken do. And so there's the question, well, do you sell off and which of these teams are going to sell off? And is that going to hurt them in this race, too? And we, we don't really know yet. A lot of that, like with the Kraken, is going to be determined by how they play over the next couple weeks before the deadline. So that's going to be a factor there, too. I guess the one team that's already made that decision is Calgary. They've yeah. already sold off. And they're going to probably continue to sell more. I mean, they'll probably move Hannafin or, or Tanev or both. Uh, by the time the season's over. So I, I see Calgary as maybe not being part of that race. So I, I think it's really just 
you know, 25% all around. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I wanted to bring up the trade deadline too, but for, for the opposite reasons, yes, there's going to be teams that are going to make the decision to sell off and there's going to be a lot of fans in that fan base that aren't going to be thrilled about that. Which one's going to step up and buy? Because you know somebody will, right? Like there mm. will be at, at least one of the four or five general managers in this conversation is going to go, you know what, maybe my job's on the line or whatever, or the team just needs this. And they go out there and buy. And and I think that's going to be fascinating too, because they're going to say like, how can we, we're all in this together. We're all about the same. Let me be the guy to put my team above the rest of the pack here and really try to, to make a run over the last, you know, 20 games of the season and put this thing away. And I look at like kind of the cap situations and really for all of the teams, they don't have a lot of money uh, left to work with with the exception of Nashville who has plenty of money to work with should they want to go out and buy but I don't know that you know Barry Trotz would be the kind of guy to go out there and do that for this right I mean they're they're not really in in full-on go-for-it mode I mean they do have the assets if they want like they have three second round picks this mm -hmm. year you could use one of them to bring somebody in, especially maybe someone with a higher cap hit that's more difficult to move to a team that's that's really close to the cap. So I could see them doing something like that, you know, if it made sense and you could get somebody cheaply. But I, I don't know. I just don't feel like they're in that spot. Really, I, I feel like Minnesota might be... They don't have really... They have hardly any cap space to work yeah. with. But, I mean, they really are money in, money out. But I feel like they're the team that would most want to bring somebody in. I agree with that. I think you're looking at a general manager there and, and Bill Grant, who is the most likely to be aggressive too, right? Like that's that's more his MO, I feel like, than, you know, what the other guys have kind of been doing. Certainly Ron Francis, we know where he's at. He's not huge come trade deadline time. That's not, not normally his thing. Um, I think of, you know, St. Louis with Doug Armstrong, I still don't know how much he's looking long-term at things, right? They had the huge sell-off last year. I, I don't know if he's still trying to think long-term somewhat. He's got two seconds, two thirds to work with. Um, I, I think Minnesota, I'm with you, is probably the most likely team to just go ahead and get aggressive and just say, why not? Right. And that's something I, I, again, I didn't really think about before researching for this episode. But the more I think about it, the more I'm coming to that conclusion that the wild are the team to, to really watch as opposed to the blues. Yeah. And that would be, that would be really interesting uh, as, as things go down. So <laughs> there's just, there's just a lot to, to look at and pay attention here uh, with the Seattle Kraken. Like I said, beyond just the Seattle Kraken, because this race is so tight, but it's also what makes it fun, right? Like we get to care about hockey down the stretch through March and April, RJ, like it's, it's going to be a big deal. You and I, we both followed teams, and really, if you followed the Kraken, we all went through this year one. When when the team is out of it early on, and there's still 30 games left in the schedule, it's rough on a fan base, it's rough on fans, it's it's rough on everybody kind of going through that experience, the players, front office, everybody. Um, so the fact that the Kraken are going to be in here playing some pretty meaningful hockey really the rest of the way... I am excited by that. I know the odds aren't great. We talked about that, maybe, you know, 25%-ish. But just the fact that we get to care about each and every game is something. And, and I do like that because at the end of the day, RJ, sports are entertainment. I've always said this. It's 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 an entertainment business. That's how uh, all the best leagues view it and everything. And 
you you want to get your money's worth. If you're going to be a fan of this team, you want to care through all 82 games and feel like they all matter, right? Like that's a that's a big part of it. So um, I, I do think that overall, this is this is probably good for the Kraken. Yeah, you'd like them to maybe be a couple points up and then have all the games matter, but the odds are maybe a little bit better. But still, this is this is far from a worst case scenario. And you know what? This is the only race I think that really matters. Because mm-hmm. as we've seen time and time again, seeding means just about nothing in the playoffs. Yep. Like yep. it means so little. We, you know, we've seen this just about every year where where a lower seed will upset a higher seed. The home ice doesn't really mean anything. And but hey, this matters. Playoffs or not, that absolutely matters whether you get in yeah. or you don't. So this is really, I mean, you know, if you're if you're Vegas or Edmonton right now, you, yes, you're you're in a much better situation. You're uh, you know going to make the playoffs in all likelihood. But I mean, what are you really playing for right now? You just have to bank enough points that you're going to be okay and you don't lose your spot. But you know, like, does it matter if you're second or third? It really doesn't. No, uh, in some cases, because we've also covered, we've also followed teams. Uh, where they have been really in it and like yes but just believe us it can get boring just as boring as when a team is bad down the stretch because you're just waiting for the playoffs to happen and the fan base does become less engaged right I guarantee you well maybe not Vancouver because they're all like crazy up there but uh, (laughs) you look at you look at some of the other fan bases like Dallas down the stretch Colorado whatever right like they're just going to be in playoff mode early and they're just going to be waiting for the playoffs and and it becomes a very different thing I kind of like just having it go down to the wire because I I, I just like that I like the tension of it right like this is the stuff about sports that I love is the fact that it's unscripted and anything can happen and you want there to be stakes involved I don't know. Maybe everybody will come and hate me for that. But I, I, I like the fact that the Kraken are kind of in this spot. Like I said, could be a little better. I would like that. You know, you could still have tension and stakes, but have it be a little better right. than this. But uh, I, I still like the like where they're at and, and like the fact that... And what that you're saying is everyone matter. should embrace it. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy it and support the team, right? Like, th- this is where um, being a fan and showing up for them and, and doing as much as we can to help them out it matters, right? Like they, they need every little bit that they can get because they are in this extremely tight playoff race. And, and um, you never know what can be the thing that kind of puts them over the top. Yeah. Also one, one thing is I look further down in the schedule, the Kraken's last game of the season, very last game at Minnesota. Oh man. All right. Do you imagine so if that's what it comes down to? Right. So here's the question for everybody. You're listening to this. You know, if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave a comment or, or tweet at us, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Do you want the season to come down to that last game where it's a win would and, you take and you're that? in? Yeah. 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 Would you be interested in something like that right now? If you were offered the mystery unknown or win and you're in against Minnesota in the final game of the season, which option are you choosing? Because I think that would be fascinating. Because in a lot of ways, you're by doing that, you are increasing your odds from 25% right now to 50% then. I would take it. It's it's just the smart play. But, it, but again, yeah. s- some listeners, maybe they just, the stress, they can't handle it. And I wouldn't blame them. What's in the mystery box, RJ? It's a mystery box. You don't know what's in there. <laughs> it could you be a new car. You don't take the boat. There, there, it could be anything in that box. It could be a boat. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there it is. 
So yes, uh, but I, I do think that that's that's an interesting thing because yes, in Vegas you offer me that I'm taking that deal, right? Like I'm taking the the, the guaranteed fifty percent over the twenty five percent. But in sports, it could be a little bit different. So yeah, that is fascinating. That's going to be so much fun, RJ. That game. Can't wait. That's yeah, definitely going to be a lot of fun. All right. So um, anything else that you wanted to talk about with the uh, the wild card race here, RJ? No, I mean, I think that that just about covers it. Um, Yeah, Uh, I just can't wait for the Minnesota game coming up in a couple games. Yeah, Saturday means so much now. Like it it just really really does. does. Any anytime you're going to be playing one of these, um, you know, four other teams, it's going to be a big deal. And those are going to be the games to pay the most attention to uh, if you're a Kraken fan. Um, All right. So speaking of the Kraken, right, uh, that's, that's the reason we're here. Uh, and, and we talked a little bit about it earlier that how they've been playing lately. And we, we said, you know, how good like Grubauer's return was, how great Maddie was on the East coast. Joey had the great game in Boston. Things were good. They picked up uh, a lot of points, uh, in the last week, but one thing has stood out through really all of those games. And that has been the can kind of continued defensive issues that the Kraken have had. And it's not just one player. It's really like, uh, the whole defensive core as a unit has kind of struggled and on any given night it's somebody different but one of the themes of all of these games is you can point to a goal in if not more than one goal per game and just be like well that's on this defender right like and it's it's just a defensive mistake um i've talked about it so many times right the keeping a head on a swivel, being aware of where everybody's at. Uh, I think the the best goal, just the most recent one, right? The overtime game winner for Detroit yesterday, just Vince Dunn, not, he's, he's kind of, you know, just, just pacing his way back. He's look, he's puck watching. He doesn't see Sherratt stepping up into the slot there. If he has his head on a swivel, he can step up and make sure that Sherratt can't, you know, a get the pass at all, or B not field it cleanly, or pick his spot against Joey uh, and score the goal there. You know, it's just it's just like an awareness thing. And look, everybody's going to make mistakes over the course of a game. It's near impossible to play a perfect hockey game for a full sixty minutes, night in, night out. I'm not I'm not saying that that's the expectation because it shouldn't be. And I know that defensemen. I've said this before. They have to absorb more information at any given time than anybody else on the ice, right? They they have to know, for the most part, where every other player on the ice is and what their situation is, and then try to process that and make the best call all in under a second. Like, it's, it's, it's a hell of a job that these guys do, and they have to do each and every game. But when it's become such a consistent issue with some of the easier aspects, maybe, or, or the more... I don't know, the stuff you learn uh, when you're first playing the position, right? Keeping your head on a swivel, uh, you know, defending net front and how to take a guy out of a certain situation by getting inside position. Like these are things that you're coached at a very young age on. And when you see them kind of consistently make this, make these same mistakes over and over, it becomes something that we have to talk about. And I feel like that's really where the Kraken are at right now. Right. And that's the kind of thing I was thinking about after the Detroit game. And I, I feel like our post game on that was you know, had a largely positive tone. And, you know, it's good they came back three times in the game and got a point. But you look at where that second point escaped them. And I, I feel like this was a, a winnable game in regulation. 
And it was those defensive miscues that you're starting to see every game. Uh, the other goal, I mean, the one that really stands out to me is the the goal to make it 2-1 Detroit, yeah. where you have Dunn and Larson net front. You have two Red Wings there, so it's you just a 2v2 battle, and each guy ha- has their own guy, right? Mm-hmm. And both players, both Red Wings kind of get lost there um, or win the physical battle in front of the net, and it just leads to basically a tap-in rebound goal for Lucas Raymond. And that's the kind of play that when the crack and D are playing well and they're on, and we saw a lot last season, you know, Larson ties his guy up, Dunn mm-hmm. ties his guy up. And that's just not a dangerous chance because no one's there to bang home a rebound. Instead, they lose the physical battle twice. And, and it's just an easy goal for the Red Wings. And, and we are seeing that kind of thing more, but that's what costs the Kraken points. Because if you look at that game too, the Kraken outplayed Detroit. Overall, they mm-hmm. they definitely outplayed them. They got the better of the quality. But every time they needed it, the Red Wings would take advantage of a mistake like that. And when you look at the games upcoming on the schedule, you don't have a whole lot of like Chicago games or San Jose games where you can maybe get away with that stuff if you're overall just playing better. These are teams that can make you pay when you make a mistake like that in front of the net. Vancouver's got scores. Minnesota's got scores. Boston's got scores. Pittsburgh certainly has got scores. You know, they can all make you pay. And so just limiting those mistakes is going to be so important uh, coming up like down this stretch. It's just something it, it worries me, Dylan. I'll be honest. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you have you've been getting goaltending too, right? And so the the one mistake that you can't make are the ones where it creates a situation where your goaltender doesn't have a shot at it, and it feels like those are the mistakes that are mostly being made, right? Situations like that Raymond goal where Larson, I don't know if Larson thinks that that you know he can pass off coverage of Raymond like he can let Raymond go because Vince Dunn's to that side, but he just doesn't realize that Vince Dunn is kind of struggling to keep his own man in that situation. I, I don't know, but like, that's a situation where again, it's a tap and rebound. Like what's Joey supposed to do, right? He, he made the initial save that that was what he's supposed to do. The defensemen are supposed to be there to make sure that somebody doesn't get that second opportunity. Um, defensemen are supposed to be there to make sure that somebody doesn't walk down the slot and just pick whichever corner is open against the guy either. Right? Like that's, those are the kind of the situations that the Kraken keep finding themselves in. And, Again, you're talking about like one bad play from Larson there that that allows that goal to kind of exist. And the rest of the game, he was making fantastic plays. There was another time against Lucas Raymond where Raymond's coming down. He's going to beat him back. It's not really going to be an icing call, but it's it's a puck going into the Kraken zone. He's going to beat Larson. And what does Lars do? He makes sure he stays in the passing lane that Lucas Raymond's going to get. And when Raymond goes to make a pass, he drops to a knee in the corner. Like, when was the last time you saw a defenseman go to block a pass, (laughs) dropping to a knee all the way off in the corner? But it was the perfect play because it created a turnover and the Kraken were able to get the puck. So there's so many instances of things like that through through each and every game where all six of the Kraken defensemen are making fantastic plays. They are doing the little things that, that you don't always notice, but it's there and it makes a massive difference. And that is partly why the goaltenders are able to play as well as they've been playing, why the Kraken have so many fewer goals against than all of these other teams that they're in the wild card race. It's just when you make these mistakes, you have to make sure that those mistakes... One, maybe you just need to get a little bit lucky and the Kraken haven't been. But two, you have to you have to know that like if there are mistakes where the goaltender is going to have no chance or it's something like that, they, I mean, it's just going to cost you. And there's no way around that. So you just have to really make sure you don't make them in the first place. And I know that's impossible, but you just have to find ways to limit them 
wherever you can. And it just feels like the Kraken, two, two to three guys every game aren't doing that. Right. And I like that you brought up the type of mistakes, too, because you're right. If they're mistakes that even give the goalie a chance, if you make a mistake that gives the other team a breakaway, you know what? Chances are Joey Decord's going to stop that. It's kind of ridiculous that he that he will, but he's probably going to stop any breakaway that you allow. So, um, you know, you can make certain types of mistakes, but just the ones that give the goalie no chance, you know, those are the ones you have to limit. Yeah, you know, look at look at shootout attempts, right? It's, it's pretty 50-50 uh, for everybody involved. Tap-ins off rebounds, if you're an unmarked guy just standing right there in the crease, those are like 90% going in, right? Like, those are this is your bigger deal thing that you have to worry about than, say, a bad pinch um, uh, in the offensive zone. So those things need to be dealt with with the Kraken. I also think it's interesting, like I said, the fact that it's just kind of going around and it's not just, you know, one guy. There's a lot of times, right, you can just call out one guy. Think back to season one, Jeremy Lauzon. There was a lot of times where the defensive mistake in a game that cost the crack a goal, well, it was just, it was Jeremy Lauzon being out of position or, you know, doing something. And it was kind of easy to, to point that out. It's, it's strange to me, RJ, that it's just like the entire unit. All six guys are just kind of rotating who's going to play really get well and have a great game and who's not. And I do wonder if, if you know, there's some way of kind of getting everybody on board so you get everybody a little bit more in sync and get everybody playing well. Because if they're all playing well, I mean, this team is capable of winning all of these 2-1, 3-1 games, right? Like the offense can get you two to three goals. That's really all the crack could need. And I, it's just wild going back and looking at how many goals have been scored in the last week, RJ, and how so few of them I would just pin on the goaltender just not having it. Right. And on the flip side, too, how many that, you know, the goalie had no business stopping that he did. Uh, Joey Decord mm-hmm. and Philip Grubauer playing excellent over the last week. So um, you make a good point there. I mean, it's I don't know how how to explain the whole like rotating, you know, D thing. I guess just everyone makes mistakes sometimes. And yeah. on average, it should just average out to you know, to not all happen at once. Yeah, no, I know it's, it's, it's just an odd situation that the Kraken find themselves in. And like I said, hopefully it gets better. Or again, just if the mistakes start changing to be, you know, easier to rebound from mistakes, right? Just less costly mistakes. That's, that's, that's even a step in the right direction. And it could be the thing that swings games such as that Detroit game, right? Where you're talking about two goals there that we've mentioned very specifically being uh, the fault of a defenseman, just, you know, making a mistake and it results in two goals you you take those two goals out of it crack and win that game in regulation yeah and i mean that's kind of the the cruel reality of it right you can do things right 95 percent of the time mm-hmm. you could have a full 60 minute game where you're you know playing all the time and you only make two mistakes out of a full 60 minutes but if those two mistakes end up in the back of your net you know we know what nhl scores tend to be two goals is a huge swing and ultimately that's what could decide games yeah and especially on a team like the kraken where it's not the easiest for them to score goals, right? Like, like mm-hmm. it's not it's not like this is a, a pretty offensive team where you can kind of live with with say giving up a goal or two a game just off of some you know poor defense or a defensive miscue or a mistake, a, a, a bad coverage decision, something like that. You've got you've got you know your leading goal scorer at twenty four goals, and then the next guy at fourteen on the season, right? You've only got you know what five guys with ten goals. 
you know, double digit goal totals this year. Like you, you, this isn't a team that, that can easily rebound when things like that happen uh, on the score sheet. And so that's, that's another thing that just kind of compounds this problem. But yes, it's, it's certainly been worrying because it feels like just more so lately than even earlier in the season, it's been happening uh, with more frequency. And like I said, in worse spots too, where it's, it's a lot more, you know, the, the direct impact is being felt. So I, I've been looking at things, and I know one of the big things that's been going around on um, Kraken Twitter, RJ, has been the fact that the, the Brian Dumoulin-Justin um, Schultz pairing is actually like fantastic when it comes to uh, expected goals against per 60 minutes, right? And I know this this pairing specifically takes a lot of flack you know, uh, in, in post-game discussions uh, and stuff like that. But the numbers kind of say it's it's actually been one of the better pairings for, for the Kraken. It's really been one of the better pairings in all of the NHL, RJ. And I know it's a third pairing. They probably get, you know, better situations to go out there. They're not playing as many minutes for one, which will help keep that number down. But they're also, they're not they're not going out there and, and having to face the best players on, on everybody else's team. But I did want to mention it just because it is a thing and it, they've been there consistently for a while now. But the other thing about it that I wanted to talk about was if you sub out Justin Schultz and put in Riker Evans, RJ, and then you drop, you know, on, on money puck, I'm looking at this and you drop the minimum ice time down to account for that pairing existing. And they haven't played as much together. They played 135 minutes. So you drop down the minimum ice time to 135 minutes and you sort the NHL, all of the defensive pairs that have played 135 minutes in this league this season. And you sort them by expected goals against per 60. Do you know what defensive pairing has allowed the fewest expected goals against per 60? Well, I mean, you you've set this yes. up. I, I'm I'm guessing Dumoulin Evans. No, of course it's Dehan and Perbix over in Tampa. No, it, it's it's Dumoulin and Evans. <laughs> it is Dumoulin and Evans. They are the best, you know, at at keeping a goal, you know, expected goals um, from occurring for the opposing team. And so one of the questions I have had RJ just because. Well, one, how much of this do you think is just Brian Dumoulin, right? It can't be coincidence that him with two separate people are some of the top, you know, two of the top 13 pairings in the league. Yeah, that's no coincidence at all. Brian Dumoulin. I mean, we remember early in the season when we were like, oh, no, this could be a mistake. He's got a rocky start. Is he really, you know, losing it? He's getting old. He's getting up there. No, he has absolutely found his stride. And he's just been fantastic with whoever they paired him with. Yeah, so Brian Dumoulin has been rock solid. I feel like, was it before the season started or, or maybe afterwards when, when he was kind of playing a little rough? And we talked about, you know, the difference between him here versus being in Pittsburgh was here he could focus. He's going to get a, a little bit fewer minutes and he could focus more defensively and just, just focus on that one aspect of the game because a lot of his problems uh, there last season in Pittsburgh were, were issues with, you know, bad pinches and, and bad plays in the offensive zone that were then creating problems for him getting back. And I do feel like that has, that has been the case now, uh, you know, Dumoulin, he is focused. And I think that's maybe even why the pairing with Evans is even better. He can just let Evans focus on the offensive stuff. He's only got to worry about the one aspect of the game and he's still a really smart, very capable defender. And that's, that's where I think that pairing has worked really well. Um, so yeah, and a little yeah. few, a little bit fewer minutes is an understatement too. I mean, you it's look at his average ice time per game, and he was consistently over twenty minutes all the way up until last season with Pittsburgh. He's averaging sixteen minutes. 
with the Kraken this year. So it is a, just a very different role. And I mean, I guess that was the thinking behind the signing too, right? Is okay. He's been playing almost a a first pairing type role in Pittsburgh. He's clearly not cut out for that anymore. He's not a first pairing defenseman on a playoff team. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, But if you put him in a third pairing role, he could potentially thrive because that's, you know, just more where he's at right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Francis to his credit was, was totally right on that. Like I, I, I think he absolutely deserves the credit for that. And he knows Dumoulin well. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he could kind of figure, okay, this is, this should work out. But uh, I mean, great on Ron Francis for identifying that. Yeah. It's been a fantastic signing, been, been no issues there. So, um, but it's, it's led to, you know, a a different question that we've talked about. And this doesn't really address the defensive issues as a team, because there's only one way to address that. And that's just basically for the guys to make less mistakes, just make fewer mistakes. And, I mean, there's nothing else to talk about there, really. Like I said, I talked about it. Keep your head out of swivel. Maintain inside position. Make sure if you're not going to be able to physically get to a guy, you at least sit in the passing lane when you're, you know, approaching them and trying to get them to move the puck. Like, it's it's basic stuff. There's there's not too much to talk about with it. So I want to kind of slowly transition. Um, If Dumoulin's playing fantastic and the Dumoulin-Evans pairing, RJ, is literally the best in the league at preventing chances for another team. And we know uh, what Riker's capable of doing in the offensive zone and having him in the lineup for the power play, all of those benefits. Then what do you think the odds are that we see, even though the Kraken are in this tight race and maybe that continues so we don't see them do a big sell-off, but maybe they do like a soft sell where they maybe just move out Justin Schultz to a team that maybe needs a defenseman just because, you know, based on the numbers and, and eye test wise, it does feel like Riker Evans has been outplaying him. Right. And I think that's something that is, especially as the Kraken just stay mid and stay in this race, right. It is becoming potentially more likely. And it's not the kind of thing where, you know, the narrative is okay. They're sellers now, but if you, if you move Schultz is the one guy, I think you can move without really calling it selling just because, you have Riker Evans, who you could make the argument that right now is is a better player and a better fit there. So you're not even you're basically moving depth in, in the case yeah. of the playoffs. And you know, at this point, when your playoff odds are standing at 20 something percent, how much do you need a depth insurance policy? It just feels like a luxury that almost you, you're not in a position to afford. Right. Well, and especially when that luxury is bringing you mid performance right i'm not talking about justin schultz i'm talking about the team right the team has been mid all year we've talked about this if the luxury is only to keeping you there like i i don't know that it's that worth it and that way you can also if the 75 percent odds of you not making it happen you at least walked away with something right because the worst case scenario would be you get down to that game against minnesota rj you lose it you're out and you have nothing you know, you don't have any additional assets for the offseason, whether it's in the draft or for a trade or whatever. Um, that's kind of would be like the worst, you know, the worst case scenario is that you kind of just fall off. You don't make the playoffs and you don't have something. This would be a way of keeping the team as competitive as they can be without, you know, but while also getting something. And especially because puck moving defensemen, they, they do get something. 
Yeah, I think the Kraken should have no problem getting a second round pick for Justin Schultz if they wanted to move him. And I know that second round pick, there's only a you know fairly small percent chance that that will turn into an NHL or of, of Justin Schultz's caliber. And then even then the timeline is going to be at least three years down the road. But really what that second round pick is, is currency. Mm-hmm. And you look at the crack in this offseason, they're, they're going to want to be going for it next year, regardless of what happens this year. And you're going to have to bring in additional players to do that. And that may be on the trade market. And if it's on the trade market, you can use as much currency as you can get. And that's really what draft picks, I think, for the Kraken right now are going to be used for. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they we've talked about this. They need to find a way uh, of trading for you know some sort of dynamic playmaker, star player, whatever it is. And just the more things you have to throw at something like that, the the easier it is to accomplish what is normally a very difficult thing to accomplish. And I feel like that is where the Kraken are at um, and, and what they're doing here. So, yeah, I, I think that that I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that from Ron Francis, but also realistically, RJ, I, I'm just really getting the feeling we're just not going to see anything. Right. I, I think I think Ron Francis may be taking his trade deadline advice from the Magic Conch for a second year in a row uh, and just doing nothing, which, hey, hey, you know what? That's not the worst thing. This I've been over it in the past. This team is built to stand pat at the trade <laughs> deadline. So I think that's what we might see. But I think it's worth just talking about, as we have, the distinction between moving a Justin Schultz versus moving, say, a Wenberg or an Everly. Yeah. Because with Wenberg and Everly, let's not kid ourselves. There are real trade-offs to moving those guys. Mm-hmm. There is a tangible effect in your forward group that you're going to lose those guys. Everly's your num- your fifth leading scorer, mm-hmm. point scorer. At Wenberg is your leading forward in ice time on the whole team. Yeah. So those absences will absolutely be felt. Now, you know, if the Kraken just lose their next seven games or whatever and you're forced to do that, that's what you got to do. But there's real trade-offs to those trades versus with Schultz. There's a non-zero chance that, you know, that you might not feel it at all, that it could actually be better, you know, mm-hmm. by having Riker Evans in the lineup. The numbers do kind of bear that out. You know, injuries are, are always a thing you have to plan for, but at least the Schultz trade, there's a, there's a reality where, you know, it's actually a, a positive thing for the NHL team. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a conceivable thing. Those other moves make you, yeah. Like they, they just, you're saying they make you worse right now yeah yeah for sure they absolutely do um so yeah it's it's interesting and hey you know talk about uh you know second round pick and and what those can turn into but hey in the hands of of ron francis and the scouting staff and the analytics department that the kraken have we've seen these second round picks turn into some pretty good players Uh, i know they haven't necessarily made an impact on the nhl roster yet but they've been making positive impacts uh down the board and you know looking at uh, a defender taken in the third round this past draft and caden price uh they'll be looking at tonight on the prospect (laughs) chat just to kind of segue over into another reminder there and and a guy that uh you know i looked at really kind of you know in depth for the first time and I mean, I'll, I'll say it on here and I'll get into the reasons why on the prospect chat. But yeah, I mean, he is a guy that I see playing NHL minutes. And I'll talk about Exciting. how many of those, how many minutes to expect from him <laughs> on the prospect chat. But he is, he's like, is he's one, a really solid. No, two, no, yeah. three, four, five. Dude. Could be Six. as could be as many as ten, RJ. Just could you imagine? Um, but for wow. a third round pick, you know, to 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 look at a defenseman in their draft plus one year and just be like, oh yeah, this guy's gonna play, no doubt. Like that's 
that it speaks a lot to the scouting staff and uh, and the analytics department that the Kraken have uh, when making those decisions come draft time. And uh, really, really excited about that. So, yeah, anytime the Kraken have the chance to bring in another asset, I say go for it because they use them well. A lot of teams don't use them well. And I would say, yeah, don't bother. But team like the Kraken, I think they should bother. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is interesting looking at other teams where you, you know, you bring in a second round pick. You're like, all right, well, that's going to be wasted. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're not taking anyone good with that. Yes, we've, we've been in that situation before. It's not fun. It's definitely not fun. Um, so that's that's the, the way the Kraken are at. That's that's, you know, they they're they're in a tough wild card race. They need to win as many games as possible. Don't make costly mistakes. Yep, that's how you win a mid-off. Yep, that's how you do it. I feel like just in that quick summary, we could have saved everybody about 55 minutes of the rest of the podcast. But, <laughs> you know, again, I, like, cause after last week, we we only had one game to cover, one game to talk about. And we're like, yes. all right, well, re- the real results are still ahead. And I feel like four games later, they're in the same spot. They are. Well, and I think this is this would be the big takeaway, like final thought from Dylan just get used to it, everybody. Like, that's just what this is going to be for the next several weeks, at least the next month. I think they're just going to be here. It's going to be, they're going to be a point or two out. Everybody else is going to be doing just about the same as the Kraken, maybe the ordering of the team shuffle. But I really feel like all of these teams, RJ, they've just all consistently all year long been 500-ish. And I just don't see any reason for that to change down the stretch at all for any of them. Yeah, I mean, this is just what it's going to be. Embrace it. Let's all have some fun. Yep, have fun. Just prepare yourself for it. Just, you know, know that that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a a tough ride, but it means that, again, Kraken are going to be playing meaningful games basically all the way through, and that that can be exciting if you you let it be. So let's let it be. I'm I'm pumped for it. Uh, It just means more great games to watch at Queen Anne Beer Hall, RJ, too, right? You want some meaningful games down the stretch against teams like Minnesota? You can go watch them with a bunch of other Kraken fans at Queen Anne Beer Hall, kind of get that that playoff atmosphere because playoffs are on the line for these, right? That essentially becomes playoff games. And uh, we know from last season how great... Uh, when you're watching some good, strong, meaningful Kraken hockey games at Queen Anne Beer Hall, how much fun that can be. Uh, so definitely recommend that for everybody. Uh, thanks to them for sponsoring the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alaska Joe, Alex, Alvi, Andrew, Anonymous, Anthony, Beef, Ben, Brad, Brian, Bryce, Burnt Creme, Caden, Kat, Kaylin, Chandler, Shazzle Dazzle, Chip, Chris, Christian, Cody, Connor, Coop, Corey, Danny39, Denise, DJ Singletone, Duthin, EV99, Eli, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Empty Net Hockey, Ethan, Evan, Fusion Mix, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Helena, Habak, Jane, Jenna, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Julia, Justin, Katie, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, L. Bell, Leanne, Levin, Light, Little Tennis Guy 8, Lonnie, 
Mac and Cheese, Maeve, Mark, Max, Maya, Michelle, Nick, Nightdrop, Noah, Nunya, Olivia, Paige, Patty, Paul, Rayanne, Randall, Rebecca, Robert, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, Sia Kraken, Sean, Sean, Sergey, Sergeant Pickles, Shannon, Skeletal Tendency, Steven, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team 114 Chris, Ty, Virginia, Wendy, Where the Slovakians At, and Zoe. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.